Welcome to Waves of Change podcast. I'm your host, Lizzie Lara. Hi, welcome to another episode of Waves of Change podcast. So happy that you're with us. Today, I'm speaking with Dr. Ruth Coleman, who is the CEO and co-founder of the Jonah Inheritance. What the Jonah Inheritance does is it invests and equips Nigerian doctors to build a sustainable healthcare networks. I loved speaking with Ruth. Um, her and her brother founded this organization. Her brother is an ENT doctor who had experience working in Nigeria hospitals and doing surgeries there. Ruth is very experienced nonprofit professional. They both um, are from Nigeria and have roots there and really merged their experience and knowledge to create this wonderful, thoughtful organization. You'll hear as Ruth speaks how intentional everything that they do is. They've really taken the model of the healthcare system in Nigeria and the model of typical medical missions and turned it, turned it on its head and are doing things completely different. But everything that they're doing, as you hear her really speak everything out, is so well thought out of. They're making sure that what they're doing is collaborative, working with the local doctors and local hospitals, asking the local doctors and those local hospitals what they need and what's important to them, and really making sure what they're doing is sustainable. And I just, I love that so much. You'll hear her speak about how um, they've been really intentional of everything they're doing and thoughtful in the way that they're bringing healthcare and access to healthcare in Nigeria. The, some of the statistics that she talks about were surprising to me, statistics that I didn't know that um, Nigeria exports the most amount of doctors as anywhere in the world, but has one of the worst healthcare systems. So I love that they are finding ways to make sure that these high quality Nigerian doctors are staying in the country. Um, So I will let you get to listening to my conversation with Ruth. I hope that you enjoy it. So today we have Dr. Ruth Coleman, the CEO of the Jonah Inheritance. The Jonah Inheritance invests and equips Nigerian doctors to build sustainable healthcare networks. Ruth, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me, Lizzie. Yeah, of course. I was hoping that we could start with um, you just telling us the origin story of the Jonah Inheritance and how it got started. Definitely. So I am originally from Nigeria. I'm a Nigerian immigrant. I was born in Nigeria and came to the States when I was about 10 years old. So our whole family was able to come. But since we've been in the United States, we always had a heart for our home country. You know, we left a lot of our family members there. And so um, my parents are um, involved in ministry. And so they, you know, we always went more specifically with them, they would go back and forth to Nigeria several times, just on medical missions, um, stuff like that. And so, um, you know, I've always had a heart for um, people that are suffering, you mm-hmm. know, that, um, and so I'd got my degree in social work. 
and worked in, you know, in Philadelphia for a little bit. And um, my brother and I actually co-founded the Jonah Inheritance. Okay. And um, he is, he's a former NFL player turned ear, nose and throat physician. Oh, wow. So he had spent about one month in Nigeria at a Nigerian hospital. My dad at that time was the president of one of the largest indigenous denominations and they had multiple mm. hospitals. And so he um, was, so my brother was doing a one month long ENT residency and just saw a lot of, um, you know, what he saw broke his heart. Um, he saw a lot of talented Nigerian physicians just working under really poor conditions and patients who weren't getting the care that he need they needed. And so, you know, typically here in the States, he would do 10 surgeries a day. And in Nigeria, he was do he did nine surgeries in one month mm. and saw so many people that needed, um, that needed care. And so he came back. Now I have a background in organizational leadership. So I've worked in the nonprofit sector for about 20 years and had gotten my master's in organizational leadership. I hadn't started my PhD at the time. Um, and so he came back, he had all of these ideas and he's like, Ruth, I don't know what to do. And I was like, well, I could figure it out. Looks <laughs> <laughs> right up my alley. Right. Totally. So we came, yeah. So we came together. And I think the really the key thing for us was, you know, as Nigerians, we have a very unique perspective with regards to the issues that we're facing. And so we know we have family members in our community that are really talented and really want to solve their own problems, but just don't really have the support. And so we saw the Jonah inheritance really as bridging this gap and and equipping our people to solve their own problems. So the the, the idea is that um, you know every people group doesn't matter where you come, you have talent, right? But opportunities are not. I mean, I mean, talent talent is universal, but opportunities are not. And so we said, well, Nigeria is one of the top exporters of physicians in the world. Right? Wow, I didn't know that. Right. And so they're so the physicians are going to the United States, UK, Saudi Arabia, India. In mm. fact, they have, um, you know, agencies in Nigeria to specifically recruit Nigerian physicians. Um, but they're leaving because the infrastructure is poor. They have limited supplies um, and they, you know, inconsistent pay. And so we said, you know, Nigeria has this talent. Right why don't we create these opportunities for them? Um, and so we formed the Jonah Inheritance. And our goal is really with, um, you know, equipping and investing in Nigerian doctors um, through training and continue, continuous medical education, um, but then also building health systems to build the infrastructure. So we're building our first medical center. And then community health development where we really, um, look at the key stakeholders in the community, churches, institutions, and come alongside of them and support them with regards to just tackling this huge crisis in Nigeria because you know Nigeria has over 250 million people. <laughs> We're oh, the I fourth think. worst in the world in the healthcare system with, with regards to our healthcare system. Um, Nigeria is Africa's largest economy and most populous country. Um, but 80% of its population receives subpar medical care or none at all. And if you're a woman and if you're a child, your mortality rate is even higher. Hmm. And so, but you have the people there, Nigeria invests in training physicians, but they're not reaping the rewards of it. 
yeah that's interesting that nigeria is the you know um top producer of physicians and then but then you know so subpar in, in medical care yeah in fact it spends um over one billion dollars in medical tourism so people are leaving nigeria to go to india to go to uk to go to israel um to get health care wow and it's like what 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 would nigeria look like if that money was kept in the country right totally um and so we're trying to solve that problem in our own real way we have a personal connection our uncle was involved in a motorcycle accident was taken to the hospital was left unattended for hours mm. due to limited staff and resources um and so we try to get him to another hospital and within 24 hours he passed away and so if wow. he would have he would have had the care that he needed he would have made it you know same thing with our cousin um he eight years old had um, aggressive form of cancer that was discovered late mm. um, and just the testing this is how bad the system is just the testing had to be sent to South Africa to get confirmed. Wow. You know, and so <clears throat> so those are just some of the 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 you know issues. But that's really our origin story. It's really personal. We we want to see our land whole. Um, we believe that Africa's most underrated asset is its people. And we just need to identify those unrecognized or recognized assets and then mobilize that to really solve these problems um because they're ready and willing right yeah well i love that you all identified the problem and and are working to to solve it um and how long has the jonah inheritance been around so officially 2019 um unofficially 2018 um and we've been doing we've been doing the same work for years with a different organization and then we kind of shut that down and pivoted to just healthcare. And I'm curious where the um, name came from. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so the name is, um, it's, it's a double entendre. So um, my, our grandparents um, were missionaries in Nigeria and were really involved in the community um, with the poor. Um, and so we wanted to pay homage to them. So Gada, which is my maiden name, um, and my paternal, so my paternal, on my paternal side, um, it's Gado, and that, which means inheritance. And okay, then, on nice. my, yeah, and then on the maternal side, um, Yunana means Jonah. So it's a way of, it was a way of just, you know, carrying our grandparents' legacy. My, my both our grandfathers died pretty early on mm. when we were young. Um, well, my father's died when we were about, when I was about seven, my grandfather on my mom's side died um, when she was 13. Oh, wow. And so, so our grandmothers have had to be, you know, they grew up in the village. They were very influential people in the village. They helped everybody. Mm. Um, and, you know, my grandmother on my mom's side raised eight kids by herself. Wow. Um, and then and so it was a way of us honoring them. So that's what the Jonah and Harry yeah. And then it comes from our, we're a faith-based organization. Our, our, our faith is really important to us. So it points to our relationship with Christ um, and just really wanting people to see Jesus differently from what people typically hear 
and um and just share his love and and minister to people their whole health you know i've had um health issues myself here in the states that was difficult to diagnose and one of the things that was transformative for me was going to a doctor who addressed my needs spiritually mentally mm. physically and helped me really navigate that and so you know we do the same in nigeria because there's so much trauma that people go through um mm, yeah there's a very religious country as well um and so it's how do we just not only meet the physical need but then also emotionally and mentally and spiritually help people navigate um you know when they're at their most vulnerable yeah totally well, and when dealing with a diagnosis, it's so important to rely on faith too. So I love that you're bringing that together. Yeah. It's really beautiful. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, So I think you just mentioned this, but I saw on your website that you have a three-pronged approach that I was hoping we could kind of walk through and explain each one, Um, starting with uh, the training that you do. Mm-hmm. So yes, yeah, so we partner with a local part, uh, local hospital. Actually, it's the hospital in which my brother did his one month ENT residency. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, so we partner with them. They serve over seventy thousand patients a year. Um, they're one of the few hospitals in the area, and so we come along in a lot of ways. Um, you know, with the with the schools, um, it's a teaching hospital and it's a medical school. So we get this opportunity to invest in the next um, emerging doctors in Nigeria. Um, and so from a training perspective, we really fill the gap for our local partner um, with their continuous medical education because it's, it's just, it's expensive for them to, to do it. Right. Um, and it's such an easy way to meet a need and to make sure that the doctors have the most up-to-date training. Most of the time they're not, they're working with limited or no supplies of medical supplies or equipment. Um, some of them haven't had training in a very long time or, mm -hmm. or it's not updated. And so we come in, so my brother's focus is ENT. So we come in and do lectures with regards to ENT conditions um, with the residents and then also with the surgical training, helping some of, Nigeria has, get this, less about 200 ear, nose, and throat physicians for a country of 250 million. So if you have an ear, nose, and throat condition, I mean, you're 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 left left to fend for yourself. Essentially, it's like one for every million people. That's <laughs> can crazy. You, can you believe that? Yeah. And so we are able to fill in the gap because even even the local partner hospital doesn't even have a full phys ENT physician on staff. They have a a, a nurse practitioner. ENT mm. nurse practitioner, but and so we come in and fill in that gap for them and do training. Um, also, basic life support. Um, last year, we had our first basic life support and um, trained about thirty six certified thirty six physicians. Uh, American, you know, they're able to get certified training from the American Heart Association. And just a year later, the quality of care has improved. I mean, one one nurse. He's a peds nurse, has been a nurse for nine years and realized that he had been doing um, recitation wrong, right? <laughs> These are the wow. Right. And so through our training, he saw his recitation rates go up to 80%. I mean, that's, you're talking babies that are just born. You're talking infants. 
Um, so that's been just a really rewarding aspect of the training where we come in. Totally. We have an, our medical trip coming up and um, we're going to special, you know, we're training, you know, for uh, ENT physicians or residents with specific specialized procedures. We're training, you know, we're training more individuals in the basic life support. Um, so that's a huge and very easy way, I think, to really help with the quality of care. Also, just the confidence. Exactly. Uh, I, yeah. Yeah. I get messages from some of the students that are saying, oh, you know, I was able to apply what I learned. And they and the um, provost of the medical school told me, he said, you know, the confidence and the ability of our, um, the confidence and the competence has, has grown. So mm. that's the training component. And then the building health systems component, um, you know, our goal is to be the largest healthcare provider in Northern Nigeria. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. And so we want to build facilities that are run by Nigerian physicians. Um, we're developing some kind of ownership structure for them as well. Um, where you know doctors thrive doctors need an environment where they can flourish and they and they only flourish when they have the equipment that they need they have a facility that work um they have admin that supports them mm -hmm. um, and so you know we our goal is to build as many facilities so that we can provide at all levels of care whether it's you know we're starting with a primary care network and then we're going to build to an outpatient um, because that's a huge gap in the market that we found. There's not a lot of outpatient interesting surgical care. There's hospitals, but it's inpatient. And the and the, the thing with that is that inpatient is very expensive. And so what we're trying to do is build our network first, um, primary care network, and then have an outpatient surgical um, surgical center where um, you know we can refer our patients to. And deal with a lot of preventable conditions that if, you know, you had this, the necessary surgery, it, it won't become something severe. We had a patient who, my brother did a four-hour surgery on a patient. He had swallowed a denture. Get this, Lizzie. He had swallowed a denture. Oh, my went goodness. Went to four or five hospitals. Nobody had the diagnostic equipment wow. to find this denture, right? So it took, it was a... Um, the nurse at the local the nurse ENT practitioner at the local partner um, was savvy and he gave him contrast and then gave him an x-ray because a denture won't show up on an x-ray mm. they're able to figure out where it was um, he had been lodging his throat for seven months what oh seven, my goodness seven months by the time we saw him he was having trouble eating of course yeah drinking, right and so it took my brother four hours to, to take it out because now it encased in his esophagus. Mm. So it becomes a very complicated surgery. And here in the US, if you swallow something, you go to the emergency room, it's a 15 minute procedure. Right, yeah. So my brother was working on this patient for four hours with very limited equipment. He didn't even have all the equipment. My brother was digging through a basket of surgical of, of equipment. Mm. Um, and so, you know, so that's, that's, that's kind of, you know, the issues that we face. And so, you know, it costs a lot of time 
and energy to do a four-hour surgery. But imagine if he was able to get to the hospital, have the diagnostic care that he needed, um, and then have the surgery that he needed. It, it wouldn't have been as traumatic because if my brother wasn't able right. to, to get it, he would need to have his chest open. Mm-hmm. Which, which is, is yeah. You know, which in Nigeria is essentially a death sentence. Oh. Um, so that's one of the big things about um, having, you know, the building health, health systems component. And then also just incentivizing doctors to stay. There's a lot of Nigerian doctors that would want it, that want to stay, but they have to decide between should I provide for my family or should I stay and help my community? I mean, that's a right. very difficult decision for, for anybody to make. Totally. Um, and so... You know, that's the building health systems. And then the community health development piece, which is, you know, we want to see communities thrive. And um, churches are pillars in Nigerian communities. You've got academic institutions. You've got other NGOs that are doing up this. They're wanting to tackle the same problem. And so it's, you know, there isn't a competition with us. It's let's all come together and try to solve this problem because everybody can contribute something to it. Um, And so... We want to equip and empower, um, you know, the communities as well. So we do medical outreaches, and our outreaches are a little different. We don't, we don't necessarily. Our physicians do like the physicians from the U.S. that come. They don't. They're not the ones doing the the outreaches. We hire Nigerian physicians mm. and partner with the local church or the local community, and then they go out and. Um, provide the care so that way they can follow up with them and nice. also we're helping them um we're helping helping them economically as well and then you know even going back with the training piece with the local partner we don't our surgeries aren't free right like the patients pay for it because okay. the hospital needs to exist right the, the mission's medical model is you come and do as many surgeries free surgeries but you leave the the healthcare infrastructure crippled because then people expect just to get free care and then the hospitals are in the red. So what we do is we come in and say, you know, the patients pay the hospital. We just offer our services to the hospital for free. And then we help bring medical supplies as well. So that's really our three, three prong approach. And there's, there's three things that we focus gospel centric, which is our faith component, spiritual piece. Also we do trauma informed counseling in the healthcare context as well. Interesting. Um, and then native, um, meaning, you know, our key is really to invest in in Nigerians and Africans, um, because they, because we need to be in the forefront of solving our problems, and then self sustaining. Like this needs to last for generations. Right. Um, yeah. And so, whether our training component, the building health system component, and even the community health development, it's always through one of those lenses. If it's not sustainable you know, um, we stay away from that because the idea is how can the next generation have access to this care? I love that. I love how intentional you all seem in, in every piece of the work that you're doing. Um, I personally have been involved in medical missions and been left with so many questions, like what happens after we leave, you know? Mm -hmm. And I love that you are hiring Nigerian doctors and they can do the Mm follow-up and you've had the you know foresight to to charge to not cripple the the hospital system um it's just so well thought out 
Um, and I know you were speaking about the medical center, but um, anything else to like speak to about about that and describe uh, what you're, you're doing there? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we purchased about 30 acres of property uh, right outside of, um, it's in the capital city of Nigeria, Abuja, but it's more in the rural side of it. Um, and so it's gonna be a comprehensive medical center. We had done a pre-feasibility study and so we came in with a certain idea and then we talked to the people on the ground and got a really good understanding of the issue and came back and tweaked our model. Um, Cause we were gonna start out with an outpatient surgical center first, um, but then realized that it needed to be a comprehensive medical center mm. um, where that had lab, had pharmacy, pharmacy had imaging, um, primary care, um, as well as, um, you know, OB, um, PEDS, um, because women also, there's an issue with women's, women's, mater, uh, uh, women's health is atrocious mm. in Nigeria. Wow. Um, and, um, and then pediatrics, that obviously ENT, um, and then the outpatient surgical center. One of the things that we found was, you know, there was a lot of, there were, there were many clinics in the area, but they were having to refer outside for labs or pharmacy or imaging. And, and actually those three are the, the highest revenue components of, you know, the hospital. And so we figured just from a revenue standpoint, um, to make sure that this medical center is sustainable because we want to be operationally sustainable within, you know, two years um, or even from the outset. And so we really thought through just how do we, our, our revenue model. Um, and so our goal is high volume, low cost. So India has been doing amazing things with regards to healthcare and making it affordable. So we thought to ourselves, is there a way that we can adapt that for the African context and specifically for Nigeria? And so in our research, we found that, you know, with the lab, the pharmacy and the imaging, that could be a huge revenue generator for the medical center, the primary care, not as much, but it could be offset um, because we have other revenue coming in. And then with the outpatient surgical center doing procedures um, at high volume so that you can pass off the savings um, to the, um, because we're not offering free services, but the model too, if you do enough high volume, you will be able to offer free services that those to those that need it, mm -hmm. but you're still generating income. So those, that's what the medical center, it's um, our goal. And so we have a hub and spoke model. So the first one is a little bigger um, just cause that will kind of be the feeding center. Um, and then we'll have other clinics that, and based on what the need is for the area um, where we're creating our own networks where people can get care at whatever level. But the key is to, you know, typically when you see images of Africa or with health issues, you see individuals with like huge tumors on their face, you see really um, advanced conditions. But the question is, if we had gotten it early, Right. Right. And so a lot of it is preventative and, 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 and that's where surgical care comes in because, you know, typically um, in develop in developing countries like Nigeria, there's been a lot of money put into infectious disease 
HIV, mm. malaria, tuberculosis, which has been good. But what's happened is there hasn't been a lot of money that's been put into building the infrastructure itself. And surgical and anesthesia care needs a healthcare infrastructure and system. So surgical care, surgical care just lags grossly behind. In fact, I think the Lancet Commission and Global Report just put out um, this report in 2015, just talking about just the state of surgical care around the world. Over 5 billion people don't have access to it. 81 million people are delved into poverty, further yeah. into poverty because of medical costs or non-medical costs associated. And 30% of the world's disease burden is managed by surgical care. And so we realize that that's, that's our market. Um, that's the gap. If we can really meet, meet, the, meet that surgical need, um, you know, like that patient who had swallowed a denture, if he would have come in, that would have been a 15, 20 minute procedure um, and would have, wouldn't have cost as much as a four hour procedure um, and complex one as, as well. Um, so there's a lot of ways I think moving forward, we just have to creatively, um, think of how do we address these problems and how do we make night, you know, the people that are on ground, um, be the ones that are leading the charge. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's really the thinking around our, our medical center. So we, we bought the property, we, we're now securing it. Um, we're working on the plans. We've already identified our physicians. And so they've been very um, involved in just developing the plans from the get-go. Um, and so, you know, I was just in Nigeria in February, just checking on the project. Um, so we're excited. It's <laughs> it's a little daunting in a lot of ways. I'm you know? sure, yeah. <laughs> it's a big undertaking, but it's, it's exciting. A, it's, yeah, it's a huge undertaking. But, you know, when I went to Nigeria in February and people were so grateful. I mean, they were stopping me in the street. I mean, mm. I mean, it, it was just they were so grateful that one, they were like, why are you back? Because if you leave <laughs> Nigeria, <laughs> they're looking at us like we're crazy and we're like, uh, this is home. Um, so um, I'm excited. I'm excited. Um with just seeing the people that we've impacted so far and the, and and how even more people that will be able to make a difference and just change how, I think change the narrative. You know, our thing is it's time to write a new script. <laughs> you know, like it's time for us to have a different narrative when it comes to medical missions, when it comes to Africa as a whole, when it comes to people of Africa. Um, there's a lot of good that's happening and mm -hmm. we have to figure out a way um, to weaponize it to solve these problems. Yeah, I love that. Mm -hmm. Um, so I saw that there's a documentary about the Jonah inheritance. I'm curious how that came to be, and um, also if you can let listeners know where they they can watch it. Yes. So um, we did a documentary of our first medical trip, um, mm -hmm. and so that documentary really gives people a good idea of who we are and what the problem is and how we, um, how we're seeking to solve it. Um, it was, it was a very interesting experience. I mean, another thing about the native component, we hired a Nigerian crew. Nigeria oh, cool. actually, it's entertainment industry is right. It's, it's the third in the world. You've got Hollywood, Bollywood, and then Nollywood. So there's wow. a lot of talented videographers and 
photographers. And so we were able to hire them and um, come along with us. And so it's on our website, www.thejonahinheritance.org. We're also coming out with um, a mini docu-series of our, our last trip. It's a, a, 11 episodes. It'll be out in May. Oh, cool. Um, and so you see, it's the idea of anybody can make a difference. We brought a team of 16 individuals from all over the country, different ages, professions, and everybody, um, you know, contributed on this medical trip and really made an impact. And the idea is, you don't need to be in Nigeria to to, to help be a part of solving this problem. Um, and so you have everyday people who just have a heart for people that are hurting, that are broken, and want to see these problems solved with a lot of thought, with, you know, with a sustainability component to it. Um, so it was really exciting. So we have that coming up um, in May. We'll be dropping it the first Tuesday in May. We'll be dropping the first episode. Um, awesome. So, but check, you know, you, people can go on our 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 social media. It's the Joe. It's at the Jonah Inheritance Facebook and Instagram, and then our website as well. Um, and all that information will be there. And it gives you a really good it gives you a good picture of um, um, you know what we're doing. So the documentary has my brother you know, with the the patient I was telling you that swallowed the the denture. Mm. So, so you get to see my brother's just ah, I felt for him because I it, it that was difficult. Um and then the the mini docuseries, you know, just just so many stories. We had a woman who was 42 weeks, um, didn't have any money for a cesarean and she needed a cesarean. She had low amniotic fluid, so she was gonna die. 42 um, weeks too so past yeah. two mm -hmm. surpassed and her husband was looking for the money and she just showed up just just on a prayer mm -hmm. and my sister was working with one of the OBGYNs and she called me and she said Ruth we have to do something about it. typically we don't pay for any of the the patient surgeries but she didn't have anything and we were like, it's life or death. And so we were able to pay for a surgery. You will not, it cost a hundred dollars for, for her to have a cesarean. Wow. Yeah. And so, you know, we covered it. And so she, she, and the name, the baby miracle, because. Oh, I love that. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Because they literally needed a miracle. We were, we were, then we were there. Um, and so we followed up with them you know, four months later, he's the cutest baby. They're healthy. Okay. Um, so you get to see that story in the mini docuseries. Um, um, you see some of the issues that physicians went through with lack of equipment. Mm. One ENT surgeon was doing a surgery and the lights went out. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> you know, the light went out, but you also just see the resilience um, and the creativity, the tenacity of the physicians on the ground, Nigerian physicians and what they have to do to just provide care. And so we wanted to highlight, highlight them as well. Um, and just see like there are physicians that are on the ground and doing the best they can with very little. Imagine what they can do if we resource them. Totally. How do you all address the lack of um, supplies? Are you bringing in supplies from mm -hmm. the U.S.? Yeah, so we are bringing supplies. Um, this this 
this medical trip, we're bringing sp specific supplies and good supplies. Like for, you know, it's not expired stuff. It's not, we do, we do take donated stuff as well, but donated new as much as we can. Right. And really specialized equipment. Cause that's what they, what they need when the ENT surgeons was working with a instrument that typically is disposed here in the U.S. They've been using it one-time use. They've been using it for three for three years, and between oh the goodness. three ENT physicians, they were they were taking turns. Wow. <laughs> turns. So that's just how kind of dire the situation is. So we're bringing supplies. Um, we're definitely also looking at purchasing supplies in country as well. Um, so. Um, but then also when we bring supplies, making sure that, you know, it can be adequately kept, you know, updated and taken care of and, and the staff know how to use it. Right. Um, so we really, really think through, you know, the specific hospital needs a CT and somebody had donated a CT. But, you know, one of the things that we found is that you need you need maintenance, you know, if something happens to it. You need to have a maintenance plan and the maintenance plans aren't cheap. And so we kind of made the decision. We said, you know, we don't want to just give them a CT and it only lasts for one year. I mean, these things are expensive. Right. At least to ship it there is expensive. Um, and so really thinking through, okay, if we're going to get the CT, it needs to come with a five-year or 10-year maintenance plan so mm. that they have that much time to raise the money, you know, get get the money to be able to get the, 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 to renew the maintenance plan. And it's also a huge revenue generator for um, the hospitals because, you know, some community, there's one CT for a whole, there's one CT for three states. And if you can't get that, if you can't get to that CT, you then now have to drive four hours to the capital city to get an MRI or a CT. I mean, this, this is just how, I don't know how, I don't know how they do it. It's the grace of God that people are alive. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. because, because, you know, our parents are the executive directors in Nigeria and we just, we just pray, please don't get sick. Because when you're in Nigeria, you're essentially playing Russian roulette with your health. Mm. Every time you go to the doctor, the doctor might not have the equipment. They don't even have the diagnostic equipment to be able to give you the right diagnosis. Right. First, to know what's wrong. To know what's wrong. Um, so it's just, you know, the problem is big, but we're, you know, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? And so each trip we bring more supplies. There's really thought on the type of supplies. We really make it a point to have discussions with the local hospital and say, what do you need? How do we fit in your system? How do we make your system better? They make us better. We make them better. So all the decisions is re are, is really collaborative on both sides um, to make sure that we're really giving them what they need, you know, and we're yeah. really helping them where they need it. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, well, I want to close up by making sure that you have an opportunity to let listeners know how they can help. Yes. Um, so... You know, there's multiple ways you can help. So we have a monthly donor program. We're just going to be launching it. We're relaunching it. It's called The Remedy. And for any size donation, um, you can monthly donation, you can donate to our cause. And that really helps from a sustainability standpoint, helps from 
how we how we plan but also it's a really tangible way to know that you're making a difference every month you're investing in physicians nigerian physicians you're offering sustainable solutions and you're concretely helping people's lives you're improving people's lives for generations to come um also you know we have a medical trip that's coming up soon um we need supplies we're looking specifically for ent supplies um so that's another way um you can go on our website and sign up for our, our newsletters so that you can just be kept updated there's a lot of new things coming down the pipeline um so that's a way that you can support and i think you know the way that you know when my brother and I really just want to create a movement of people that want to see the world made better and bringing really tangible solutions to problems. Um, we really, we really believe that we can make a difference. We are making a difference. Um, we know that we can't do it alone and it doesn't matter where you are in your life, what economic status, you know, you can do something. Um, and if it's not with us, there's other organizations out there that are doing a lot of good. Um, and it's a very rewarding experience um, when you're able to help, when you're able to be a part of something bigger um, and really make the world a better place. That's beautiful. I love that. Well, we always end our interviews with some fun rapid fire questions as a way to get to know you better, if you're willing. Yeah, I'd love to do that. Yeah, <laughs> Awesome. Um, so what is your favorite place in the world and be as specific as possible? What's my favorite place? My favorite place in the world is with my two daughters, um, just hanging out. They are the joy of my life. They're really smart. They keep me on my toes. Um, but yeah, anything with my daughters or my husband, it's, that's, that's my favorite place. If it's not with them, I like a good book um by myself <laughs> <laughs> some peace and quiet some peace and quiet yeah mm. I love that how old are they your daughters seven and five okay so they have a lot of opinions they let me know and I just saw a meme that said you know I have a little girl that's gonna turn the world upside down I just have to survive raising her first <laughs> I love that. Well, I have two daughters. I have two and six. So yeah. I feel you. So, so you know, right? <laughs> yes, I definitely do. <laughs> yeah. Um, what TV show are you currently watching? Um, what TV show? Um, The Lincoln Lawyer. Oh, that's a good one. Netflix. Um I in another lifetime I would have wanted to be a lawyer. <laughs> so, but um I just love figuring things out. I, and so I love shows like that. Um, so I've it's 10 episodes. I've watched it too many times, but it, <laughs> it's that good that every time you watch a new episode, you pick something up new. It feels new. So yeah. It, the, the, the Lincoln lawyer. That's a testament of a, a good show. You can watch it more than once. Yeah. Um, the last book that you read. The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. I don't know what the, the name of the author is. Yeah. I love that. So, yeah. And then, you know, I just completed my doctorate. I don't know how many books. <laughs> I'm sure. Right. But, I, but that's the last book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, I think. Especially in this kind of work that we're doing. Um, you know, you, 
in, in, in this world with social media and, you know, we're always told just, you know, you have to just be busy and, mm-hmm. and, um, it's very exhausting. Um, and I'm, I'm type A, I'm very ambitious. And so that book was really a good reminder to just slow down and, um, and be intentional about having breaks and, and, um, and having a Sabbath and just solitude. Um, yeah, so that that's a really good book. Yeah, it's important. Mm-hmm. Um, one fun fact about you. Fun fact is that I am addicted to pizza. <laughs> <laughs> What's your go-to pizza mm-hmm. order? Uh, it's a meat lovers or a, a veggie lovers. Um, I... So when we were in Nigeria, I was in a in a missionary boarding school. So in Nigeria, most kids are sent to boarding schools away from their parents. Mm. So you spend majority of your youth, you know, at these schools. And so um, every two weeks, you get to, you were able to go see your parents, but we lived too far. Mm. And so we would be one of the few that was that remained. And so they would bring out the works: candy, ice cream, pizza. <laughs> make this like deep dish pizza and I think I think that's where I got it from like a first grader away from home it was comfort food and so till this day I could be sick as a dog I could be stressed you know the pizza may not even be that great <laughs> right but I will eat it because um I don't know it it it, it it's I just became addicted to pizza so I'll, it's a I'll, comfort food yeah it's a comfort food for me so yeah that's that's it's my little I like it um and then the last one is your favorite quote my favorite quote that's a good one all you have is all you need (laughs) that's a good one I don't know where it's from but um I, I I I I have sticky notes all over with quotes and and that's just a reminder I think so many times we think that you need to have everything to start but um you know, as a Christian, I believe that, you know, God has endowed all of us with talents and gifts mm-hmm. and we have something, you know, it's, and we can just from there use that for whatever purpose it is that he has for us. So that's a reminder. Cause even with, you know, these goals that we're doing um, with the organization, even in my own personal life, or even as a parent, as a wife, um, you know, always thinking from a place of abundance instead of scarcity. You, I do have what I need. Mm-hmm. I might, it may not be where I think it is, but if I open my mind and I'm, and if I'm open um, to, to think of the situation differently, um, I realize that I have something to start. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. It's important. Well, thank you so much, Ruth. It was so fun talking to you. Thank you so much. This was really fun. I, I, I had a blast. Thank you for listening to Waves of Change podcast. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Waves of Change POD. If you have a question or recommendations for next guests, email us at wavesofchangepod at gmail.com. And don't forget to subscribe to Waves of Change podcast and rate us to help others find us. 
And if you're feeling extra generous, please share this episode on your social media channels. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.